Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Solo, a Star Wars story. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we talk about games. But we also talk about Star Wars. And we've talked about Star Wars in a, lot. a bunch of different ways. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about it in the context of video you know, video games, tabletops, and then obviously all the Star Wars movies that have come out. Um since Disney bought Lucasfilm, and I guess Solo came out, and I was getting married last week, so we couldn't record last week, but now if you want to hear us talk about Solo, I guess that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Um, in just a minute, we will get to spoilers. We will put a big old spoiler warning in front of it, but uh, initial impressions, uh, spoiler-free impressions. Uh, buddy, why don't you go first? I fucking hate this movie, dude. I hate this movie. I hate... I hate this movie, dude. Um, you know, I, I don't think... I want to separate out real quick. I've talked before about there's a difference between preference and quality, right? Uh, and typically I use the example of Moonlight was the best movie of 2016, but Batman vs. Superman was my favorite movie, right? Um, I understand, you know, uh, my, my opinion isn't necessarily tied to quality. And... I can agree that F Solo works to a certain extent, right? Um, there's stuff about it that works, but it just presses every single one of the buttons that I just, I'm furious at this movie. I hate it so much. I think it's, I think it's just the worst possible direction. It is, it's a, it's a, a mediocre execution of Star Wars in the most wrong-headed direction that star wars should be taking i think is my biggest that's my that's my that's my like spoiler free my spoiler free take uh i don't recommend this movie might be the first time i've ever not recommended a movie on the well i didn't recommend ghost in the shell either uh i fucking i just really hate this movie mango yeah in contrast i really like this movie um, I think this movie might be my favorite of the four modern Star Wars movies. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I don't think this movie is without oh is, is without God. its flaws. Um, I think it has problems. Um, as we will discuss in a moment, uh, we have we have talked before we've recorded, and uh, there we we have some fundamental disagreement. I think on some of the facts of the movie. Yeah, you, yeah, you and I definitely miss like misalign on how certain things yeah on the on the implications of certain things and, and with yeah. that caveat i will say that if i was in the position where i felt how you felt i probably would like this film a lot less um uh, but we will get to that um but uh, i would recommend this film um i think even if this isn't the best modern star wars film it is the most star wars of the four star wars modern films um in which i mean it, it kind of echoes kind of that classic star wars feel the most um more than maybe even the prequels do and whether or not that's a good thing i think is is, wow. is debatable um uh, i'm not sure i'm not totally sold on the prequels thing but uh, i i it it feels more like it belongs alongside the original trilogy than a lot of the, the the Star Wars films do. See, uh, I think you. I also think that you and I disagree on the fundamentals of the original trilogy because I think that this movie is actually fairly far from 
the original trilogy and the prequels in a lot of ways. And in fact, I mean, I kind of almost wish it was farther. Um, everything that I have read about the Phil Lord and Chris Miller version of the film seems to kind of confirm this. Uh, but the they were going for something that was very different for, for kind of like a, a, a Star Wars uh, movie. And I think I would have liked that a lot more. Um, I don't know. <sighs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that very, like, oh, we'll just put the spoiler mark here. Spoilers for Han Solo, A Star Wars Story. Also, any other Star Wars film that has ever come out, in case you haven't seen those. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, if you want to go see the movie without being spoiled, go watch it now. All right. Um, so, uh, why don't you elaborate a little bit on, on what you hated so much about this film? Um, I, the, so, a way that I described it that I think is probably the most accurate is, um, as someone who is head over heels for The Last Jedi, right? Like, I am on record that I think The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film that's ever been made. Um, it, uh, I don't know that it really, de I, I could see it to kind of dethroning Revenge of the Sith in my own kind of personal rankings, like... You know, I don't know, once I get some time in it and I kind of, like, go back and watch it a few more times sort of thing. Um, so I really love The Last Jedi, right? Uh, but The Last Jedi is obviously a very decisive, like, divisive film. And there's a lot of people out there who are really mad about The Last Jedi and they really fucking hate that movie. And I think Sto Solo is a movie that was made for all of those people, which I think is part of why I'm so diametrically opposed to it. Um... The Last Jedi had a point. The Last Jedi wanted to talk about issues, big issues. It wanted to um, be something uh, different and new in the Star Wars universe and for the Star Wars universe, but also commenting on the Star Wars universe. Solo doesn't seem to want to do any of that stuff. I mean, like, but, you know, like, you know, I, I saw... Um, I've seen people kind of talk about it in this way of like, it doesn't really try to do very much, but that's kind of what I wanted. And that's also pretty anathema to how I just like exist as a film goer. You know what I mean? Any, a movie that doesn't try is the worst movie that could possibly be made. And this movie does not try very hard. Um, I, I hate that it is this origin story for every fucking like tiny little minute piece that I, I also have described this movie as a um like you you said fucking you know it's stupid that c3po was built by anakin which i agree with right it's stupid that you know yoda knows chewbacca right like all of that stuff about the prequels is fucking like is 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 fucking stupid and this whole movie is constructed out of Anakin building C-3PO bricks, right? Like, that stuff, that's that's superfluous stuff to me in the prequels, right? Like, the heart of the prequels is a very, you know, new story that is delivering on the promise of, okay, who was Darth Vader before he was Darth Vader, right? This movie ends with, like, an emotional climax about Han shooting first, as though... I guess Ron Howard or Kathleen Kennedy is, like, rolling up to George Lucas's house and taking a dump on the steps. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know. This movie is... It is... Contrary to my very being. <laughs> and I... I cannot abide. I just can't let it go, this hatred. Uh... You know uh, what hatred leads to, buddy. 
Um, I do! Because George Lucas <laughs> told me in the prequels! But uh, that's, so that's another George thing, Lucas though, told you in the original trilogy, fight me. Um, I mean, he told us in both. Who cares? Whatever. Um, anyway, so I'm going to point out that um, I have... The, the point I was making about when, when I said that C3, Anakin built C3PO is stupid was like that you could apply those criticisms that, that you were leveling at Solo to, um, to the prequels and you are a well-known fan of the prequels. Um, and that was my point there. I have less of a problem with those things as well. Um, yeah, the, I mean, um, the difference but, to me is that they are much more thoroughly integrated into the narrative. You know what I mean? Like it is core to the narrative that Han shoots first. Do you know what I mean? Like that. that so is, yeah. So that's know. the that is the climax of the character. But I so I felt that like there were distinct differences between callbacks and origin points, and I thought that there was a pretty decent balance there. I don't think that they were excessive. I was surprised. I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. Um. And I thought that the the origin points were relatively well handled, and the callbacks, while some of them were a little cheesy, didn't bother me because they were ultimately more callbacks than origin story. I think I can point to an example because you've brought this up, but the thermal detonator gag. I hate uh, that so much, dude. See, I first of all, I didn't think it had this, the same impact that you thought it did. You, you, your view, if if I'm to summarize, is that this invalidates Leia using the thermal detonator because it's ultimately sourced from Han. Yeah. Um, so I didn't view it that way. I, I didn't think there's necessarily an origin story there. Um, Leia actually uses a thermal detonator. I saw it more as like a callback gag, and that is all it was, um, especially because it's not a thermal detonator. It's a fucking rock. Um, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a, an ad joke, but I thought it was a joke, um, and that didn't bother me because it was it was it was a callback rather than an origin point, at least in my mind. This is, these are some of the things that I think that we disagree on in terms of like the materiality of material material the the material nature of the um, yeah. Uh, of, I also of, think that I also think that there is a version of that joke that works. I think that there's a version of this movie that works very well. And like, I mean, this is the this is what I assume the Lord and Miller version probably looks like, and what I probably would would enjoy more of because I'm on board with them as kind of filmmakers. I mean, I'm a, I actually like Ron Howard quite a bit, so I'm not trying to like shit on Ron Howard or anything like that. But there's a lot of points in this movie where I'm just like, this was like the worst way that you could do this particular. Thing and I could totally see, you know, better filmmakers make it work. You know, like make it work for me. So, so my, fi so my, obviously we don't know what that film would have looked like. Um, my fear with that, and the reason why I, I, my guess would be that I like this version better is that I saw the edges of some kind of like, um, non Star Wars feeling stuff, like jokes in particular. Like there's half a dick joke uh, about uh, Lando's dick somewhere in there. And I was like, that feels like a thing that would be a Lord and Miller thing from what I understand of them. Um, and that stuff I don't like. I absolutely hated the answering machine gag in The Last Jedi. Um, I don't like that kind of thing in my Star Wars films. Right? I want my Star Wars films to be kind of Star Wars films at their core. Um I think there's room to experiment, obviously, with with uh, with Rogue One. 
Um, but and as much as this movie is a spin-off series, it feels like it's more tied to the main series because it is the origin story of of, of Han Solo. Um, and that kind of stuff bothers me. And and uh, maybe uh, I, I, this is a thing where, like, I just want it to feel like the space 80s. Um, I was not alive during the 80s, so maybe I'm just confusing Star Wars with um, 80s culture. Yeah, and... I mean, this was kind of, like, the point about that it's more like the original trilogy than the prequels. And I wonder, to a certain extent, what, what amount of that is like core sort of like story structure stuff wherein I think the original trilogy and the prequels are very directly linked. Um, but I also think that, you know, there's a lot of like banter in the original trilogy that is not there in the prequels, for instance. I mean, there's a little bit of it sort of thing, but like there's a certain amount of kind of like, you know, Leia, Han, and Luke are all kind of jabbering, you know, and they're giving each other shit and stuff like that, that I, like, is, and, and I, and I, and I sort of, and I see that in this, right? And so, to a certain extent, I almost kind of think that this is a completely different story structure painted with, like, maybe that same original trilogy coat of paint, do you know what I mean? Okay, I, 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 I think I, I might, I think that might be what it, because this is not, like, this is not opera, right? Like, this is not, like, read as high opera to me. It is a Western, uh, I mean, it is the, tr it is, such a it has chinese internment camp slaves it has this you know, has actually felt a lot like firefly to me yeah i mean uh. yeah exactly and i think that that stuff is all in you know I, star wars didn't originate any of the space western kind of stuff right um uh or i'm sorry firefly didn't originate any of the space western stuff right but yeah like i think it is very much about firefly kind of like space western stuff which is very different than the kind of highfalutin opera of you know uh, Luke, I am your father, and yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So um. Uh, just I also just want to be clear, really quickly, that yes, this is all every all all of the stuff that I'm describing. A lot of the stuff I'm describing is nitpicky bullshit. This is this is nitpicky bullshit that offends me specifically but if any of you listeners who know how i shit on people who get wrapped up in nitpicky bullshit this is my yes i am getting wrapped up in nitpicky bullshit and i am self-aware about that which is why i'm trying not to I'm trying really hard to self-correct and say that just because i hate this movie does not mean it is a bad movie i'm really trying to like keep those things as separate entities even though i want to like you know pretend that my nitpicky bullshit matters when it overall doesn't <laughs> fair enough um uh yeah so uh something i did want to talk about um something that i didn't like um and something that you will probably uh appreciate um is, is i wanted this movie to have a little bit more time to let things breathe in fact i think this movie should have been two or three movies and when i say that i don't mean that it should have been this this plot stretched over three movies. I mean, um, I kind of actually wanted this to be a little bit more Marvel-y informant. I wanted a movie that was, um, like, after watching this, I, wa I wanted a movie that was just the heist crew before this movie came out. That way I felt something when, yeah. when the two heist members died. Yeah, um, I was actually really on board with that that train heist. Um, I was really into the movie, uh, then, and then the two of them died, and, like, Han was completely unpunished for it, and I was just kind of like, okay, 
and then I and then the movie really started. Like I was actually pretty with it for the duration of the train heist. The beginning very much sucked, and then you got off Corellia, and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's just kind of nuts and bolts, whatever. And then the train heist, and I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty neat. This is pretty interesting, and then it just kind of like fell off of a, a slow slope down before the fucking very end of the movie, which was god-awful. Yeah, I so that. I think that... Um, I thought that Corellia was whatever. Um, I didn't think it was particularly bad, but I also didn't think it was particularly good. Um, that was... When I when I say I want this to be three movies, I want a, I want a Just the Heist Crew movie, and I want a movie that is um, Han on Corellia, but more importantly, in the Imperial Academy, which we see none of. Um, yeah, I was actually, uh, I was very interested that they skipped over that part so thoroughly. Yeah, because um, that's kind of, I think that that's kind of important, right? Like, there's a level of, like, Han keeps insisting he's a good pilot, but we don't really get to, like, see that in action until the, the, the train heist. Um, and uh, I thought that, like, time in, like, time in, in the Imperial uh, Navy would have been good use for that. I also think a little bit more time... Um, not a like on Corellia, but just kind of like exploring uh, his relationship with Kira, and I don't mean in like uh, you know like it didn't need to be anything huge, just kind of just you know, like maybe like a dinner scene or or something, just just something to like make that connection feel a little bit more than uh, a little bit less arbitrary. It I, felt it also felt very like plot mechanics, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was so obvious that it was like. This is someone that Han cares about and is going to be his motivation for the first half of the film, right? Um, and and it was, or whatever, and then the midpoint, and then she shows up in the midpoint and kind of, like, walks the narrative in a different direction, which is what normally happens during a midpoint kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it felt like, it just felt very obvious how they were kind of crafting the story, you know? And you were, you were on the roller coaster, but all you could see were, were the tracks, yeah, um, I'm not sure that that bothers me so much, though. Um, I don't know. A lot of movies are kind of predictable. Uh, and, and I don't know if that, that really detracts from my, my enjoyment of them. But I, but I, I, I Well, it's, I not, it's not necessarily about being predictable as it is about being immersive. I wasn't really immersed in their relationship because all I could okay. kind of see was the was the story function. You know what I mean? It was just That's kind fair. of like, okay, I get it. Let's get to the next part. They didn't really sell me on their romance until yeah. they were on the Millennium Falcon and they had that thing in the in the coats um, with the caves. and i like I, I even yeah or i'm sorry the caves yeah like i actually thought that 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 scene was kind of clever and neat and again this is probably a place where i think lord and miller would have done it better um but uh that was probably the only time the two of them had real chemistry um it was kind of a flash in the pan. I don't really think their relationship just didn't work throughout the whole movie. You know, there was no, there was no sting in my heart about her, you know, like betraying him at the end. Though I also think this is because the, the my other big, uh, my big, big structural problem with this movie is that Han is kind of a Mary Sue, not quite in the same way that like Ray is a Mary Sue and that she's just like good at everything. Han is pretty good at everything um, in general, but he also goes unpunished all the time. Like, he's, you know, in, in like, Hearthstone terms, right, you can make a mistake 
and then say, oh, fuck, you know, I didn't think about Hellfire, and that's the punish, right? Hellfire, and then the, the opponent casts Hellfire, and you get punished, right? Or the, the opponent doesn't have Hellfire or whatever, and so, you know, you go unpunished sort of thing. I felt like he was making a lot of mistakes in the narrative, but the narrative was bending over backwards to be like, no, it's fine, you know? The, the big example of this is fucking um, Sandy Newton, you know, Beckett's wife, kills herself, right? She kills herself for the job. So that they can they can get out with the coaxian crystals, and Han botches the job on purpose. He doesn't. Li Beckett says, "Hold on to it. They'll break their ropes." And Han says, "No, I got to drop it." Right. So he disobeys Beckett's direct order, drops the coaxian, and then we like cut to them in the snow and they fucking like hug it out. And I'm like, "What? Your your wife your wife died in vain because this guy didn't fucking trust you." You know what I mean? Like punish him right or like he loses the card game with lando which was like the worst fake out of my life because i was like oh wow that's actually kind of clever i like this a lot right you know han is is a little too trusting he thinks he's too uh he's like you know arrogant and he's full of himself and lando one-ups him because he's willing to cheat or whatever and then kira just immediately solves the problem by being like hey give us your ship and lando's like okay and i was just like what you know what I mean? There, there's no weight to it. There are no consequences for any of Han's bad decisions, which kind of remove them as bad decisions. Do you know what I mean? I, I see what you mean. I, I think that, I don't know. I, I'm torn because I, I think that the dropping the coaxium is the is supposed to be the right decision, right? Like, like I don't, like, I I don't think he was supposed to not drop the coaxium, right? Like, this is, like and, 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 and I get your point. Um, and I think I think the Lando example is is, is actually really um, really very true, um, and, and and I agree with you there. Um, and this, this is what I mean when I think the the movie should have had a little bit more time to breathe. If there were if there were like you know like it felt like there couldn't be consequences for Han because there was enough time for there to be consequences, then for those consequences to be fixed so that they could move on to the next thing. Um, very similarly related to this, the deaths of the of of the important characters are kind of lame. Um, like, uh, Beckett's, Beckett's girlfriend, wife, common-law wife, whatever she is, that's okay, but, like, Forum's dude gets shot in the shoulder, um, and then L3 just kind of, like, out of nowhere gets shot, and, like, yeah. he's dead, and that's all. Like, there's no fan for, there's no fan for, there's no drama to it. Um, I also, uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like L three. What, what did you think of L three? Uh, Rachel really liked L three. I thought L three was. I guess I thought L three was fine. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. They're like the guys on Red Letter Media were mad about like the kind of social justice droid or whatever. Uh, and I guess I get that or whatever. But um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they were mad about it. I think just, right. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they were drawing that parallel sort of yeah. thing. Um, um, which, uh, was not something, I mean, it really does beg the fucking question, right? With, 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 with droids that are simultaneously treated as people and as property. I kind of just felt like that was, um, yeah, no. And, and like, so I didn't like her not because of her message. Just, I just found the character annoying. Um, you know, internet can't decide whether or not she's supposed to be like, a, a social justice droid or like, you know, a, in played straight or a mockery of them. Um, there's like a, there's an Arnita Sarkeesian tweet that, that claims that she's a mockery of social justice. Is uh, she? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, uh, and you know, and the brother media get P 
people brought that up too, right? Like, um, like they, they, no one can really tell if they're playing it straight or not. Um, which that's 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 a whole other discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I, but I don't like think most also, people. I mean, this is also kind of like the Holdo thing. People are really mad about Holdo and the Last Jedi, and it's like bad Holdo. Holdo is is fucking feminists bad, you know, like bad feminists or something, and all this stuff. And I don't know, like I I have a tough time. Yeah. Getting so, into it from that kind of perspective, I, I thought. I, she, I mean, like, I in in a way, I thought she was supposed to kind of be like annoying and insufferable. But like, in a, a like, okay, so this is again something that I I am sure Lord and Miller would have been much better at because uh, they do it in like the twenty one and twenty two Jump Street movies where fucking Jonah Hill's character is like tries really hard to be like inclusive, but he ends up kind of being like you know <laughs> like kind of racist about it. Um, and it's played for a joke, but it's, like, funny because it's kind of, like, true to form. I thought – I, in a way, I kind of thought it was that same thing. It was just like, oh, I get it. It's it's always begged the question of these Star Wars movies, and the droid is kind of uh, a little insufferable about it, a little obnoxious about it, but that's the joke. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, like I, I think just kind of on the broader topic of, of, of L3 and, and Holdo in these situations, I think that um, the characters – may or may not be like just poorly done and that gets attributed to their their kind of like social justice aspects but I, I think those things are completely separated right like um i think holdo not telling poe the plan is completely fucking stupid right 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 but that's but, like regardless but, of yeah but that's not be, I mean? that's like, not because she's a woman right like that's like right right yeah like that's just like a, a bad and i i think the i think it's kind of unfortunate that that some of these these kind of like meta message things get conflated with like just character, like like bad writing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and I also think that social justice is just like itself. I mean, I think of myself like I'm sure many people on the internet who listen to this podcast uh, would would label me like a social justice warrior or whatever. Uh, but I also think that it's a lot of people kind of projecting in certain ways, right? Yeah. If you are someone who feels kind of judged by social justice Twitter, for instance, right? And then you sort of see that rhetoric get mirrored in, um, like, get mirrored in this movie. It's very easy to kind of, like, be like, oh, God, you know, the, and it triggers. It's, it's, I mean, it's literally a trigger, right? Yeah. And it triggers those same feelings of kind of judgment and anxiety that kind of, like, cause someone to, like, lash out. Right? Like, I can understand, you know, I mean, for Anita Sarkeesian, who is someone who has been, you know, berated and mocked for her, like, entire professional online career or whatever, how maybe seeing that kind of droid, right? Like, I get how that could trigger somebody in that sort of way. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just think it's kind of a jokey joke and we're not supposed to worry too much about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. Like, that, that doesn't stop me from disliking the, the joke. And I, I yeah. think I might agree with you. I, I'm, I think that is something that I think Lord and Miller could have handled better. But again, this is a thing where, like, maybe I just don't want that in, in Star Wars so much. Um, or at least... So so this... I think my fundamental problem with these kind of prequely movies, with this movie, with um, what might be the Obi-Wan movie, with the Boba Fett movie, is they are too close to the mainline for me to want them to be kind of bold and new like Rogue One kind of is. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's... Which, is, which, by the way, is funny because of how direct a prequel Rogue One is to the yeah. events of the original Star Wars. No, you're, you're absolutely think, right. Because the, the thing that bothers me so much about this movie is really the ending, right? And you and I kind of disagree about the interpretation of this, um, but I hate it when What's-Her-Face takes the mask off and she's like, you know, we're the downtrodden who have been preyed on by the syndicates and the Empire and we're trying to fight back and we need that coaxium to fight back, right? Um, and, then the, and then Han is like, okay, cool, well, I'll give them the fucking coaxium. And then at the very end of the movie, she takes the coaxium and she's like, well, this is gonna, you know, like, this is the first... Like, Breath of the Rebel Alliance. And then she, like, looks at the camera or whatever. And then she says, Han, do you want to join the Rebel Alliance? And he goes, no. And she goes, well, maybe one day you will. And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. Holy shit. Did they really just, like, turn it into that Han, like, secretly created the Rebel Alliance? Uh, you don't think that that's the case, right? No. I, I, I okay. think so. Um, maybe this is because I'm just a little bit too much of a Star Wars nerd with like expanded universe stuff but i took this as supposed to be like the rebel alliance is a rebel alliance right it's made up of a bunch of disparate pockets the rebel alliance gets its start with bail organa and mon mothma um and the remnants of the galactic senate um the, like if this woman was mon mothma i would have totally been with you um uh but like this to me felt like it was a constituent part, but it didn't make up the entirety of like the start of the Rebel Alliance. It was like a piece. She was being grandiose, but it still it felt small enough to me that like like what this movie was supposed to be was kind of like a little piece in the corner of the um, of the formation of the rebellion. Uh, like one one of those disparate elements that comes together, and and it felt appropriately small for what the story kind of wanted to be, which is a relatively small high story about this set of events. And while it does have a part to play in the larger Rebel Alliance story, I didn't think it was nearly as momentous as you did. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... The, I, so I agree with you, right? That, like, when I think about it in the terms of kind of the, you know, the expanded universe or whatever, that, that, that makes sense. But the movie felt like it was so... I felt like the movie was telling me it was this important, right? Where, you know, she's talking about how if the syndicates, like, get the fucking crystals or whatever, they're gonna, like, you know, destroy everything. And it seemed as though the movie was saying, this is a pivotal moment. If these crystals don't go to the rebels now, the rebellion is lost or something like that. And it was, like, putting all of this, like, weight on it. And I was just like, go fuck yourself, you know? So, I so I, in a way, I want to interpret it that way. Right, but I felt I just felt too strongly like the movie was really trying to convince me that yeah, like oh, isn't that cool? Han secretly started the Rebel Alliance. Isn't that cool, you guys? And I was just see, like, oh, uh, see, shut the fuck up. Like uh, my 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 kind of peel away from this is like I I I get that interpretation, but like it's like a dozen people in this cloud chaser gang. The reward was supposed to be enough to set up five people for a while, not with the the Rebel Alliances. I mean, maybe if we pull this back to The Last Jedi, apparently the Rebel Alliance only has, like, 11 people yeah. in it. But, yeah. like... Um, I mean, I uh, hate how small this universe is and keeps keeps being. Part yeah. of this is just, like, regular old plot contrivances, but the fact that Kira is on that ship is the most bullshit plot contrivance fucking ever. You know what yeah, I mean? No, if, there I'll, was I'll... Some, if there was some puppeteer string, that, just anything that they could get, you know what I mean, that they could get me sort of on board with it, 
Um, that's fine. But Han literally goes off to join the Imperial Academy and is in some random fuck-all-nowhere place when he deserts from the Imperial Army, right, in order to join Beckett and and his wife and, like, Ron or whatever the fucking that guy's name is. I can't even remember. Yeah. Bod, I think. I, I, th I think... Um, I think maybe what you needed was, like, just kind of, like, a scene in that Corellia bit where, like, one of the syndicate people is dealing with, uh, is dealing with the, 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 the centipede woman, and, like, that gives you enough of a link so that it doesn't feel that weird, but I, 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 yeah, I Or, like, I, or, like, you know, they say something like, we'll meet on, you know, we'll meet on Dan Tween or something, and then it's, like, and then when it flashes forward... Three years later, Dan Tween, right? He, okay, cool, fine. Maybe, you know, he got deployed there or something sort of thing. Or, like, he jiggered his deployment such yeah. that he ended up in a red... I can, I can kind of I can kind of connect the dots enough if you give me some, th something to work with. But it was literally just he left her behind. And then she shows up after he has a completely different, you know what I mean, like, trajectory. Um, and, it, and that stuff makes the galaxy feel tiny. You know, so small, and I hate that feeling because, like, I don't know. No, I, I so may, maybe my kind of sensitivity to the small, like the the shrinking galaxy, is is just not there yet. Like, I definitely feel, I definitely feel like this was a problem that 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 the last Jedi and the Force Awakens perpetuated. Yeah. Um, but my willingness to believe that the galaxy is is still big made me feel less bad or like made me not interpret this kind of event in that way. Although I, you know, you're, you're right. Like, you know, the fact that somebody like in the whole galaxy, somebody, you know, like Kira appears in the same barge that, uh, that, that, that Han's on. Um, and you know and i don't mind it in the last jedi as much because the last jedi kind of does give me the breadcrumb a little bit where they talk about how they have you know like they have allies out there right but they're just not they're too afraid to kind of like rally and so i can kind of see and so and that to me like okay right it's not the strongest link in the world but it's one that i can at least buy right where they're they're all going to get on the millennium falcon right the the last few remaining um survivors of like the centralized rebellion leadership and all they have to do is get away and get to you know like one of their allies and they can kind of like regroup or something kind of along those lines sure right like i can kind of do that homework by myself fine whatever but this like there was just i don't know it was too much i also really feel like we've lost something in the kind of um uh like something i really miss about the prequels and i and i am sure that it, this is something that gets like shit on by like the red letter media guys or something like that is like the montages of stuff happening elsewhere in the galaxy. Do you know what I mean? Um, where, you know, in, in, a, in like the order 66 montage is all is about, you know, the, the desolation of the Jedi order and everything like that. But it, it makes the galaxy feel so much bigger to see, you know, uh, like fuchsia or whatever. God, what's the fucking name of that planet? Like the big mushrooms planet. They mentioned it in this movie, which is why I have it on my mind. Well, whatever. You know, like they just they have all these different planets, right? And they're and you just spend you know three or four seconds, and you see Kiati Mundi or you see Plo Koon, and there's you know and and those are expanded universe people, but you've seen them on the Jedi Council, right? And that stuff makes the universe feel very big, 
right? Um, even things like, you know... I, I, I felt kind of that way when they said that Beckett killed Aura Singh, right? Like, I thought that was neat. Like, that's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's like outside, inside baseball enough, I guess, that, like, that felt like a, 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 a good kind of, like, call. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, I actually kind of want a, even they could do it now, I want, like, a Beckett and Company, like, heist movie that's just yeah. them. And then Lord and Miller I mean, can go do whatever when, they fucking when, want with that. Even when Darth Maul, I mean, I think the Darth Maul thing was also awful. Even when Darth Maul said, I'll meet you on Dathomir, you know, like, that's cool, right? Like, Dathomir is a something. Yeah, and the yeah, the witches of Dathomir are a real thing. It's the source of his, is like, I think his tattoos are like a, a Dathomir. I know he's like a Zabrak or something like that. I can't remember what they're called, that, that brace with, like, the horns or whatever. There's Zabrak, But I'm pretty yeah. sure he has, uh, I'm pretty sure he has, those tattoos are specifically from Dathomir or whatever. So, like, you know, like, details like that I feel like are cool, and I really miss that kind of, you know, like, I didn't get a sense, um, you know, when we went to go see Lando both times playing, like, Salak or whatever, like, I don't know, they, they, were there not establishing shots to those planets? Yeah, I, I, because it just kind of felt like it was out in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? There was what no, what like, was, loca- was was the second one supposed to be? Um, uh, Maz's Cantina. I'm not okay. sure, but I think it was supposed. I didn't to. think about that, but that would have been clever if they did that. Um, but you're right. No, that's actually really important. Um, I didn't. I hadn't put my finger on it, but like, I felt this way about Kessel. Kessel felt like the one set that was the mouth to the caves, and that was and yeah. like yeah. Yeah, like it all felt very small. You're absolutely right. Um, the, I, that is that, that's very key. You're you're absolutely right. Also, that, how do you feel about how do you feel about the Kessel Run? Um, because I thought the Kessel Run was dumb as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I did not mind the device. Um, like like the kind of like the 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 the, the dodge to the asteroid field thing. Um, yeah, I have a good feeling about this. Like really. Ground, ground me the wrong way. Um, uh, it's one of those things where, like, if you're going, like, it's just one of these kind of things that hangs over the series in a way that you can't not address if you go to Kessel, right? Like, you, you, you have to, you have to address it somehow. Um, and I am. I'm less happy about it because, like, they didn't they didn't go the like the 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 old kind of canon explanation was that the jump from Kessel, uh, or the way to like getting out out from Kessel was a series of difficult jumps, and the idea was always to um, reduce that distance. Obviously, the real reason is George Lucas didn't know what the fuck a parsec was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, let's put that aside and say that like we have to come up with some real reason. The fan theory. Or I don't, know, I don't know if it was a fan. I think it was canonized. I think I'm pretty sure it was canonized in, in Legends, that um, jumping away from Kessel, like the distance was variable because it was a bunch of shifting and difficult, difficult like uh, a bunch of shifting uh, GPS or you know uh, light jumps that were difficult to calculate, and so finding a route of a small distance was always preferable. Um, and I actually think that this kind of like dust cloud kind of makes that less good because it's 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 less about finding the optimal path and more like well there's one path and that's kind of a static distance and so 
referring to it the way Han does in episode four doesn't make as much sense, but that's kind of a refrigerator moment for me, right? Like, I didn't bother me so much inside the story because I knew that, the, like, I don't know, this is a, this is a weird meta film thing where it, this only, like, this, this has to make, this has to square a, a weird real world circle in, in a way that I don't know if there's a good way to solve it other than ignore it entirely and not have Kessel enter into it. I don't know. Yeah, I thought I, th- I thought the Kessel Run was bad uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I don't. I actually thought like the Nebula Cloud thing is cool, and it might actually be cooler than the black holes, um, which is you know like I've always thought that the black holes were were fairly cool though. The fucking gravity well or whatever in like the Nebula Cloud was insanely dumb. Um, but like, uh, but I was like, okay, like uh, maybe maybe they'll do something cool with this cloud, and then it's like, okay, well there's this old, there's this one clear route. Or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, and he's gonna have to go off the route, and he's gonna he has to like pilot at full speed or whatever for some reason or another to like to, through, through you know like by hand, right? Like without like instruments or whatever." But they literally went the exact opposite direction as that, where the thing that saves them from the, like the the thing that makes the Kessel Run is the fact that L three is like an unwiped droid, and they like upload her consciousness into the millennium falcon in order to use her navigational data so i don't see how that makes han an impressive pilot at all you know what i mean like it's just completely it's not like he had to do anything or it's not like he was like dodging lightning bolts or something like that to try and like keep the power on or something like that right um or anything about his piloting skills at all because it all came down to l3's ability to like plot a plot a course and i was like what the fuck I mean, um, um he, he had to do the the, the sideways uh the, the sideways turn thing yeah uh, yeah that is it his yeah. like one move yeah. or whatever yeah i thought, um, I, thought they were gonna, was... I thought they were gonna do a, like a slingshot off the gravity well thing because that's like a common enough but they didn't even do that yeah yeah i know right uh, I also thought that maybe they were going to do something where it, it he hides on like the back of the monster, you know what I mean, like the star destroyer. Yeah, that, that, that was that what? was a reference I was sure was going to be in this film. I know of all of the things. Yeah. I mean, everything Han Solo does in this movie is like you know the origin story for something that he does in in the original trilogy, and they didn't show the origin of like that or whatever. Yeah, I, mean, the, I was it, like, okay. Like, so, so, so part of this for me is that like the things he explicitly references in the original trilogy, I think, are fair game, and like. That's the thing he especially referenced, you know, I guess, I guess we skipped the entire Imperial Academy, so yeah, uh, we don't get to see it. Um, yeah. And then, but I also was like, why the fuck are the TIE fighters flying after him into the, into the nebula? You know what I mean? It's just like to that, that to me was just a very like naked, like we need to add some d- like drama to it so that they're not moving at five miles an hour and being super cautious about everything. Right. But then I, but I was like, who are, why the fuck would they send the TIE fighters in there? You know what I mean? He's uh, as soon as he goes into the nebula, he's dead, right? Or he's as good as dead, or whatever. So wouldn't they just pull it back? Um, so I thought that was dumb. I just thought a lot of stuff about that whole thing was dumb. I actually really was bothered by the Kessel sequence because, like, for a heist movie, they did no planning at all for like the the like the Kessel sequence, but they were kind of like acting as though they had. And I was I was so confused because it was like. 
they were making references to the plan and to improvising or whatever, but I didn't know what was the yeah, plan no, and no. what was improvising, right? So you had no bearing on, and this is something that they did for the train sequence, right? Like they were talking about, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to the train here, we're gonna get, bolt it to the fucking at you know carrier thing and then we're gonna blow the bridge so that it falls off the track and we can take the you know the container with us or whatever right and so you could see the plan versus the reality but there wasn't any of that in the kessel thing they just kind of like winged it or whatever but they were talking about there being no. a plan they just cut away like i was like what the fuck there, there was a plan they just didn't clue us in on it which is not great in a high school guy yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is another example of, like, the, the movie needing more time to breathe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then the very end. And then and I could have probably let some of this stuff go if it didn't end with kind of, like, the one-two punch of Darth Maul and Han's, you know, Han fucking what, what, saves what, the what, rebellion What upsets you about Darth Maul? Uh, just that it's, it's, it's like, so nothing. Right. Uh, like, for instance, I'm a big defender of the, the Vader sequence, right? Like, I love the Vader sequence in Rogue One because it has – it fits into the story structure. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a key part of the fucking whatever, you know, Ben Mendelsohn guy's uh, kind of, like, character arc, right? Um, is he's getting he, – like, there is this pressure that's being exerted on him um, and seeing Darth Vader, you know, just, like, massacre those dudes – at the end of the movie, right? I mean, that is the final, that's like the final thing of the movie. Um, I think all of that stuff, I think all of that works because it's so baked into the narrative. Uh, Darth Maul does not work because he's this hanging flange plot thread that is completely outside of the narrative, right? Uh, I don't think Dryden Voss um, gets enough. If, if we had some more screen time with Darth Maul, maybe you could have gotten there where kind of like, you know he is he is meeting he is talking to someone in the shadows or whatever about you know whatever sort of thing and then you find out later that that person is darth maul or you know so you know like something along the lines but he, he, they they foreshadow him by saying oh you know he works for somebody super dangerous and then at the very end he just shows up and he flicks on his fucking lightsaber which was like <sighs> so it's just so dumb. So here, here's the thing. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Um, it's this. He was. I think he was supposed to be more like Nick Fury at the end of the original Iron Man, because Darth Maul is a character that is present in the. I believe it's the Rebels series. Wow. Um, and he, he's, he's, he's there and he's a character and that's part of the universe. And that's part of the audience that goes to see this movie. And I know that you and I don't watch that. And, sure. um, but I think that, I think this, I think like, I, I get where you're coming from, but I think this is the equivalent of someone who has not seen, um, like any of, uh, I don't know, like who hasn't seen episode six being like, what's the thing with the thermal detonator or whatever, or, you know, um, and I, I think this is supposed to have meaning in that context as for fans of that show, um, which is, I it, it, it's just weird because that that's a TV show like that like that TV show I don't think is is in like the the old school Star Wars fans consciousness uh, uh -huh. or maybe, maybe maybe that's just us but um, I I definitely think that it's justified by his presence in the in the TV series. Like he's got a twin named Savage Repress. Um, yeah, his name is Savage. And like, there's a whole thing there. 
And that's like it 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 is well established lore that he is derping around in uh in, in other present uh films. In fact, I'm pretty sure if they ever do an Obi Wan movie, they're gonna have their final duel because apparent like there's like already like a novelization or a comic where um they duel and uh, Obi Wan kills. Yeah, Darth no, Maul. I love that. That comic is awesome because uh, it, it is no words; it's just art, um, which is very cool. Um, yeah, okay. So I, I, I guess I, I guess I sort of feel you. Uh, part of this is also that as a huge fan uh, of the prequels, right? Uh, it sucks to me that like the kind of big inclusion of the prequels um, into like the post Disney canon is Darth Maul. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. In in this way, like man, I don't know. It just felt so. Maybe maybe if I watched Rebels, I would feel better about it. You know? How would you have felt if instead it was Darth? It was uh, instead of Darth Maul, it was Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I would have probably hated it more if it was Jar Jar Binks. I think, I think really what I'm asking for, to be honest with you, is that if that is the case, it should have been a post credit scene. It's a little bit like Wonder okay, Woman yeah, open, open, opening up the emails in BBS. Like, what it, that doesn't belong in the main movie. You know what I mean? It belongs in, in its own like post credit scene or something. I okay. think that would have made it work. Um, I, so I, I think that scene could have been a post credit scene. I just don't think Star Wars films do post credit scenes. Is the, is, is the issue there? Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. Fair. But, that, I mean, if that's the case, though, then why are you doing this bullshit? You know what I mean? Then if that's the case, don't fucking do teaser bullshit with 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 Darth Maul. Just let it go kind of thing. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely see it. You know what this felt like? This felt like what should have happened is, is um, you know, Han should have shot Beckett. And, and Beckett's like, you know, you're wrong about her. And he's like, no. And then that ship flies away. And he's like, oh. Um, and then the post credit scene is is her talking to them all. Um, yeah, and I, you know, and by the way, that moment also sucked. I mean, I thought I, I, there. So this is part of what I think. You, 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 there is a good movie in here somewhere. I think it's sort of implied that Han is too trusting, right? And that kind of the and that kind of the arc that they Han doesn't really have an arc in the movie, but insofar as they they give him one, it is that he kind of learns to be less trusting, which is cool because like his arc in episode four is to be, you know, trusting again. Right. And to, and you know, the thing where Beckett goes, if you assume everybody betrays you, you're never disappointed or whatever. That makes a lot of sense in a world where Han leaves on Yavin four. Right. And then he comes back or whatever on, um, on like the death star. But I think part of it is just that Han is never, this is part of the Han is never punished thing. Right. The movie is so wrapped up in showing you that Han is just like this superhuman badass that never, you know, that never gets, uh, that never gets shit on for making any of these kinds of mistakes. I never feel like he has a lesson to learn about being too trusting. You know what no, I mean? but, but that—that's what—that's what this—that's what Kira flying away is, right? Like, he of all the people, Han, like he slowly learns over the course of the film to not trust people, right? Like, and he learns to not trust Beckett, right? Um, but like the final thread of that is snapped when the person he thinks he can trust, like his, you know, his, his Kira, like the person that he knows beyond a shadow of doubt he can always trust, breaks his trust and snaps, and that's that's like I, I think. Yeah, I I just, I, I I see. I get that that is. So what is supposed to happen? I just don't think it's there. I I, I I I felt nothing when she. I mean, I think it's even kind of telling that she gets a sympathetic moment rather than him getting a devastating moment, right? Where she goes to the edge of the thing and puts her hand on the glass or whatever, 
you know and you also see her with darth maul where she's bending over backwards to cover for han right so like it is all about like showing that she has a good reason to to do this and nothing about the kind of version of events that han sees right it's not like he breaks down and starts crying or whatever because like the love of his life betrayed him or something like that the movie just fucking ends yeah i i, I don't know i i this is a thing where where i i think i read it differently than you but yeah and i also just felt like i never saw a moment where he was I don't know like it, it just felt like it was weird that he was kind of said to be tr like that trusting in the first place because it didn't seem like he was all that trusting in the first place you know what i mean like and so and this is part of it like this is part of why i i i am frustrated with this with this movie because it's kind of just like i feel like the movie wants to tell me that you know, the movie is capitalizing on the fact that Han Solo is the is the cool guy character in a bunch of people's face. You know, like a lot of people like Han better than they like Luke or whatever. And but Luke has baggage, you know, and Luke right. is carrying the story on his back because he's like the real protagonist. And so it's a little bit of like in the when the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are about Jack Sparrow's arc rather than fucking whatever Orlando Bloom's character's name is. In Will that. Turner. Will Turner, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the lore. Pirates of the Caribbean lore, dude. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's kind of just like, what, you know, when you make this person the central character, you have to give, you know, he is a protagonist, so you have to give him some flaws to overcome and some, some arc, you know, some change that he has to kind of make. But you also don't want him to change too much because then nobody likes him, right? Which is kind of how you turn, you know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um. Uh, a couple things I want to hit before we uh, run out of time. Um, uh, the part where uh, the, the the cloud chaser leader pulls off her helmet and it's revealed. Yeah, um, I was trying to figure out who she was supposed to be. And I, like, I think that that scene was supposed to be like, see, it's a woman. You didn't expect that because it sounded like a man. And I don't I just don't think that, that trope works so well anymore. Um, I don't know. It, it like it worked when Samus did it. But Samus came out, like, you know, Metroid came out in, like, the, the 90s, or maybe even late 80s. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, and so I, I just think that that trope doesn't, just, just doesn't land as well anymore. Do, do you agree? Um, I think it doesn't work specifically because of uh, when she pulls her helmet off. I, I, I mean, you and I both got the same feeling that she was, we were supposed to recognize her. Yeah. Right? But she's there's nothing to recognize, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I, I I was just confused by that. I was like, is that somebody I'm missing? You know what I mean? Is this some is there some piece here that I don't see? I, I think the whole thing was uh, supposed to be like, behold, it's a woman, and you that was not what you were expecting. Um, uh, and uh, um, what did you think of the actors? Like of of specifically of Aiden, whatever his name is, and Donald Glover. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich did a better job than I expected. I expected him to do pretty bad. Um, and he was kind of fine. He was just, he was just fine. There's really nothing big or, or, I don't know. Um, Woody Harrison was good. I think, I, I, I honestly think Paul Bettany was probably the best. Because I kind of felt like who's, he knew what movie he was in. Who's Paul? Paul Bettany was Dryden Voss. Okay, yeah, yeah. He kind of knew what movie he was in, in a way that I felt like the others kind of didn't. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, Lando, uh, Donald Glover was fine. He did about – a lot of these people were just kind of like fine, not good, not bad, just whatever. See, I, I think – I think I, th- I was not – like Alden I thought was like, eh. Um, but um, Donald Glover I think did a – like in the same way that Paul Bettany knew what movie he was in, I think Donald Glover knew who he was supposed to be, which was just kind of like young Billy D. Williams, and I think he nailed that, and I really appreciated that. Like he he felt like – what I would have expected Billy D. Williams to have done with it if you could have gone back in time and thrown him in there, you know, or if you could have DH Billy D. Williams and thrown him in there, which yeah, felt good. Okay, that's yeah. You know what? I'm I'm kind of on board with that. I think he did better. That, yeah. Okay. So I'm actually on board with that. I feel like Woody Harrelson, uh, yeah, Paul w- Bettany, Donald Glover are kind of in that top spot, and then you have everybody else. I like. I don't think anybody did bad. I wouldn't say. I don't think anybody was bad. I just think a lot of it was just, you know, kind of fucking whatever, nah. right? Like, yeah. I wasn't sold on Kira and Han as a couple or whatever. But, you know, em- Amelia Clark did fine yeah, in yeah. so far as she was doing, you know, she kind of, like, did, like, the femme fatale shit um, enough. No, like, so, yeah. So most of it was just kind of d- serviceable, right? Some flaws, some some highlights or whatever. Like, like I liked Han when Han was a little bit, like, off the cuff. Um, which is apparently what fucking Lord and Miller were fired for was like it being too improv or whatever. But I actually kind of liked the lines where it kind of felt like Alden Ehrenreich was kind of like, you know, just kind of going with it. Um, I mean, th- ironically, that's kind of what Han, what, what Harrison Ford brought to the role in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, and, uh, and so I, so I guess I like that stuff. I thought that that stuff was good, but I thought that they reined it in. You, I could kind of tell that they reined it in, in a way. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I also thought the action was bad. I thought the cinematography was Garbo. Um, mostly just cause it was too dark. Yeah. I mean, you know. so having that pointed out for me afterwards, I agree. It's not a thing that, I, that, that bothered me particularly during the movie, but uh, I, I see that. I noticed it a lot during the movie because I was a little surprised. Um, even on, like, the desert planet or on Kessel, things were very dark in a way that I was not expecting. On Corellia, it kind of made sense. I actually kind of liked that. Um, and I thought that that was kind of, that, that was kind of cool, you know, um, that, that Corellia is, like, dark and mysterious um, and stuff like that. But uh, then they kind of kept that, like, lighting scheme and, like, color grading throughout the rest of the film. And I was a little like, what? Um Yeah. Um, but yeah. So something I, I don't know if I attribute this to acting or not, but Chewbacca felt right, which um, it's like it might seem kind of minor, but I think it was a thing they could have easily screwed up. Um, just making Chewbacca not feel like Chewie, because um, hmm. I, I think it was not. Um, I think it was the first time it wasn't a uh, Peter. What's his name? No, I think he was also in the Last Jedi. The, this guy. Oh, okay. I don't think Peter Mayhew was in it in the Last Jedi. Uh, yeah, Chewie's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It just, it's a thing that I think is easy to screw up, um, and you would have noticed it was screwed up, and they did it right. Um, yeah. Once it's, it's like uh, accounting at a job, right? Like, no one notices unless you, you screw up tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh... <sighs> um... Any... What do you think about the box office? This movie's, like, tanking hardcore. Um... 
Specific, well, not actually, not all that bad in the U.S., but overseas, definitely. Isn't that always true for Star Wars movies, though? Uh, it is always true for Star Wars movies, but the last three Star Wars movies, like all of the other Disney Star Wars movies, have literally been the number one movie of the year. Um, you know, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi were all the number one movies of 2015, 2016, and 2017. So this is kind of a big, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I, I think that they shouldn't have released a Star Wars movie six months after another Star Wars movie. Is, That's funny, actually, because yeah. all of these other Star Wars movies were delayed. Ever, uh, Star Wars traditionally comes out in May. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I know. This, it doesn't come out during some, December. Something but. I was super surprised about is this came out on the anniversary of Episode Four. They made no yeah. big deal about it, but it was it was the same day, May twenty fifth of uh, of uh, of nineteen seventy nine, I think um, seventy eight, yeah. maybe. Uh, um, now I'm a bad Star Wars fan because I can't remember the year. But uh, I am I am hoping that there is some vindication in a way. Where people uh, sort of looked at the movie and agreed with me, though I guess I wouldn't have been able to tell from the marketing uh, that that's not the kind of Star Wars that they want. But uh, I feel like that's that's just me being kind of narcissistic about it. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's why this movie flopped. I honestly think it was just marketing, right? They didn't really do anything until a couple of months beforehand. Yeah. Um, and what they did was not compelling. I found it's also three weeks after Infinity War, right? Um. And, yeah, and when we Infinity Deadpool. War and Deadpool crack open like the box office, and it's just yeah, and yeah. and it's too close to the previous Star Wars. Just and yeah, um, I don't know. It's also not like a mainline Star Wars. Uh, yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, who knows? I will say one other thing I liked about this movie um, that I wanted to mention was this movie. And the Hobbit movies are probably the 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 are movies that make me feel like I am playing a D and D campaign, um, where it is kind of like a a rollicking adventure, like I would have in you know where you know it's just the the bunch of us and we're and we're playing D and D or we're playing Starfinder or something like that, where it kind of has that sort of like. I don't know. There's just a, there's something about it. There's like this sweet essence to it that really draws me. Uh, that really like draws me in. And I kind of am sad that I don't like this movie that much because um, I I really like the Hobbit movies, even though those are bad. Um, because of this sort of thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see just what you're like, saying. It just feels like it just feels like I'm watching a bunch of friends play D and D together. Um, and that's compelling. It, and I got that same feeling from this. I just hated it. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's kind of funny. The uh, the podcast I've mentioned before, Campaign, uh, the guy who plays like the Han Solo character, who's very much like a very exaggerated Han Solo type character, uh, his tweet on this movie was basically like, uh, 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 the character that he plays would have, um, would, have uh, would have done everything the same way as Han did. Um, and that's a, that's a fantasy fight Star Wars game, so... Uh, no, I definitely agree with you on that, on, on that point. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about, about Solo? Uh, no, uh, Solo is Solo. All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, how was your week? I guess we should start off with, uh, the first half of this, uh, dragon fight that we did, uh, uh, for, uh, Hell's Rebels. Uh, yeah, yeah, you guys went down to Pezak, and you found the fucking Citadel Enferak, and there was the dragon in there, and we did the first half of the dragon fight, yeah. where I pulled the 
the, the, the caster uses greater invisibility and then creates a major image of himself to come out of invisibility to bait, to bait like your guys' moves, which worked out better than I expected. Yeah, it, um, it's kind of funny because you, you mentioned that you're like, you're so glad that you got like Charles to burn a spell on it, right? Like that was like, you know, I was, and like, I was talking to Charles about it and I was like, oh yeah, you know, but he was like, ah, he, I fooled him and I was like, ah, I got like. Seven more of those where that came from. So he. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not about Charles. It's yeah. just that I fooled oh, no, no, someone no. with that trick. Right, right, right. right. Like, that's a, that's a, like a cool tricky trick to do. Sure. And I'm glad that somebody fell into it. Sure, you know? but but uh, I don't know. At least at least my kind of. It's not about Charles, but like you know, yeah. you hope the, sp the party expends some valuable resource on it, and mm. it feels like at least to Charles, it felt like he didn't expend that much on it. Fair enough. Um. Uh. But yeah. Um. I don't know if there's a lot to say about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of the only fights I feel like. This is this is a fight where I specifically kind of. Um, you you literally stopped us. You literally stopped Charles from like doing weird RP to be like, go go fight the dragon, please. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wanted to give it some texture, obviously. Right. Um, but we spent, uh, you know, well, we started a little bit late. We probably could have like started earlier than I did. I just kind of like didn't do it. Um, well, part part of it, I don't know. Part part of it is, is their time zone constraints, right? Um, with our East Coast player that has to, mm. like has to go to bed at two a.m. his time. So yeah, yeah, because I knew that this was kind of like two phases where you guys fight the animated armors while he's invisible and shooting spells at you, right? And then the armors go down, and so he comes down, and then it's a typical dragon. Uh, or, well, not a typical dragon because he's still a high-level spellcaster, but um, he is at least in dragon form and there's, there's no, like, invisibility bullshit or whatever. Um, yeah, but I tried to, you know, I don't know. This was this was just, that was Hell's Rebels this week. <laughs> yeah, not a lot there. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just kind of very straightforward session. Uh, what, what have you been playing? Watching? reading uh what i finished okay i finished um uh transparent which was uh the final season is about israel and palestine oh that's sounds... not the final season i guess the most recent season because i think it is a, there is a season five coming or something like that um yeah because well because the, the series has a very jewish undertone um, and it's a lot about, you know, uh, like Jewish culture and stuff like that, which is kind of like neat or whatever. I mean, I still hate everybody involved and they're all awful fucking terrible people and shit. Um, but, uh, but at least this one kind of had like the, oh, well, it was kind of neat seeing like the Israel Palestine kind of question, um, through the eyes of a family of, uh, you know, Jewish people. Right. Uh, and there's one, you know, like one of the, um, uh, one of the characters like kind of falls in with like a hardcore like free Palestine left wing kind of group or whatever and then but then there's like another character who's kind of having a crisis of masculinity and so he goes to Israel um, and he's like hanging out with this like Israeli like like security guy and kind of like rediscovering his own like manhood and confidence or whatever and i was kind of like i don't really know how you do both si like i don't know how you both sides israel in a show like this without just like immediately setting fire to everything but i feel like that was a pretty okay job um uh i don't know so yeah so i finished transparent i've i watched all of arrested development the new season of, of arrested development which is pretty funny 
Um, but it was also like short, which sucked. Um, Are you a big Arrested Development fan? I was a pretty huge Arrested Development fan. Um, I actually like the se- I like season four more than most people do. Um, I think Arrested Development, like the problem with Arrested Development in like the 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 reboot is everybody's kind of famous now, you know, and they and they all have like these other projects, and so it's all about kind of like bringing reigning people in from their other projects to to kind of uh, come back to the stable, which is tough because like Jason Bateman is like a legitimate movie star, you know, and he's like in these these big comedy movies or whatever will Ar- will or, arnett has like the the ozarks is 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 uh is is pretty well received right the- yeah the, yeah ozark was really good uh i mean it was it's kind of like a trashier breaking bad uh, which is typically what happens with these netflix shows is they make a movie but trashier um so for instance um the uh fucking uh the marco polo show is Game of Thrones, but trashy. You know what I mean? And Ozark is basically Breaking Bad, but trashy. Fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I remember when it first got canceled, it was like, oh, this is the greatest show, and I took it out of the library, and I watched it, I was like, I don't get what the big deal is. And I Oh, really? You know, you, 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 wow, really? Yeah, like, I thought it was all right, but I didn't understand why everybody was like, it's just the gorgeous thing ever. Um... The, those first two seasons were really special, I thought. Um, maybe I need to go back and watch it. Maybe maybe my sense of humor has refined since then. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it sits kind of in that level with, like, community and stuff like that for me of the, these, you know. It doesn't quite have the same heart as Arrested – or, I'm sorry, as, as like, Parks and Rec or The Office – uh, and even community to a certain extent, like Arrested Development, is kind of a little caustic, just because yeah, but it, like it kind of hates its characters in a way. But it's, it's a mean um, comedy, like like an Always Sunny or Seinfeld. Yeah, well, I mean, and th- and this is why that Michael Bluth is the central character, and this is part of what fucks up about season four. Um, Michael Bluth being the central character kind of means that you have like a like an empathetic entry point where he is a good person, but everyone around him are bad people, but they're funny. The, you know the what father I mean? or the son. The father and and the son, but I mean even George Michael, right? Um, and uh, and then in season four, um, because they split the family up, um, and they do kind of episode by episode where it follows an individual character. Uh, Michael's episodes are kind of sad and pathetic, um, and turning Michael from kind of like the straight laced, straightforward straight man that. Um, you know, that is, that is funniest, uh, or th- that is not funny rather. And that like, you can kind of empathize with to just like another butt of the joke, uh, kind of sucks. Mm. Did you, there was like a recut of that season along with this new season, right? Yeah. 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 I watched the recut too. The recut is pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I prefer one or the other. They were about the same to me. Okay. Um, uh, is, is the, the popular sentiment that one is better than the other? A lot of people have told me that the recut is better, okay. um, that they watch the recut. But I, but I have a feeling that really what it is is disappointment um, in the season four kind of like manifesting or whatever. Um, you see this all the time with other shows that have like kind of famously bad seasons, right? Like the season where Dan Harmon wasn't on Community. Also season instance. four. Yeah, it was also season four. Um, a lot of people, what will end up happening is they watch it and then there's kind of this outside factor that's like, well, it wasn't as good – 
You know what I mean? And therefore, it's bad, right? But then they rewatch it, and they're like, wow, this really wasn't as bad as I thought. I was just kind of like, yeah. you know, kind of sort of overcompensating. So I kind of think that that's what happened. I, I um, um, you know, controversial opinion. I think, I think I think season six of Community is worse than season four. Ooh. The Yahoo Screen series season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember liking the Yahoo Screen No, I, I thought it was I thought it was all right, but, you know, I, I also, I didn't have the hate for season four. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't have the hate for season four, especially finding out why he got fired. Uh, have you seen any of this stuff? No, it was like a. I, I know he had like a. He had like a Me Too moment. But was it that? Yeah, it was. It was that. It was so. Megan Gans, who um, was one of the big writers on Community, um, she wrote a lot of like the big famous episodes and jokes, um, like the one where Troy is crying in the bathroom. Uh, you know, like butterfly in the sky, yeah, yeah. right? Like she, she wrote that. Like she wrote a lot of, of the of the different like biggest episodes. It was kind of like a fan favorite writer on the series, um, uh, together with like Chris McKenna, who is, uh, uh, well, whatever. Um, Dan Harmon kind of fell in love with her in a very creepy way, right? But he was her boss, um, and he was not, and, and he was not processing those emotions very well and he didn't do anything rapey or whatever um but he was really uh kind of like inappropriate apparently and like wrapping up his feelings and in into the kind of show and who wrote what episodes and it created all of this drama uh and and that's why he was let go that's why he was fired after season three um and then megan gans left the show and so he came back for season five okay yeah, there's a there's a YouTube video. He he talks about it, right? Because he was basically like, you know, when the whole Me Too thing was happening, he was like, I know that I have also played a role in this, but I didn't know what I wanted to do about it, sort of thing, because um, he has a sensibly atoned. He's also he's also like an alcoholic and stuff like that, and so like that kind of plays into it or whatever. But uh, he basically asked her on Twitter or something like yeah, that, yeah, and she yeah. was like, the best thing you can do is just tell people what fucking happened. You know, leave me out of it. Leave my name out out of it, right? But like, let people learn from your mistakes. So during his podcast, the Harmontown podcast, uh, which is like a famous podcast or whatever, he kind of just sat there, and it was it. There's a YouTube video where he's sitting, you know, at a mic or whatever, um, and it is grueling, right? Like you can really tell how uncomfortable he is with his own self, right? Um, as he's kind of talking about it. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, uh, apparently this is kind of what played into his sort of championing for women writers, uh, coming into Rick and Morty for season three. Um, you know, so I guess that's good. I don't have very nice things to say about him. Uh, I don't have very nice things to say about his studio Starburns, um, uh, given that I know people who work in the, you know, in the animation industry and have been, and have worked at Starburns, but uh, you know, he's that, that's, that's happened, right? Yeah, no, that is, it's, that's a thing. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause there are several notable cases of, uh, of people being very, very vocally, uh, pro woman cause they're atoning for something either hidden or, or, or revealed. Um, I don't know. It's, oh yeah. We've talked about this. Before. I don't know if we talked yeah. about it on air, but like, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just interesting, but, uh, <coughs> identity politics aside, I guess, um, 
Yeah, did, did you, yeah, so did you what, play what, any what, 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 oh, did you play any video oh, games? Oh, what, what did I play? I played Oh, I did the Mage Tower on a bunch of things. Um I completed the Mage Tower on Outlaw Rogue, Elemental Shaman, and um and Feral Druid. Um and dude, let me tell you, I know you want those fucking fencing rapiers or whatever, and I wish you the best of luck. I wish you God fucking speed. Because oh, no. that one is hard. Oh no. Um, that one is, is a lot harder. Uh, than I thought it was. I one-shot it um, on my Elemental Shaman, and I two-shot it with the Feral Druid, but I did it, like, maybe maybe more than ten times on Outlaw Rogue before I got it. Because you're you're rolling... You're, you have to constantly be rolling for the right procs. Okay. Uh, which is really frustrating. That sounds bad. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, well, we'll see if I get that done before the expansion drops. <laughs> Um, yeah, the big thing is you're looking for grand melee, which increases your attack speed, but most importantly gives you leech, which is like lifesteal. Um, and you needed to keep yourself up. There's just too much damage incoming. And so uh, a lot of the times what was happening was you're, you're kind of DPSing, but you're spending all of your points on rolls until you get, uh, until you get grand melee, and then you DPS for real for 50 seconds. Um, but then you're just DPSing, and you're spending all of your shit on rolls, and you, when you get... Like, I've just had some legendarily awful runs where I was rolling and re-rolling and re-rolling and re-rolling to try and, um, to try and proc grand melee, and I, like, never got it, and it was just... What, 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 what legendaries were you running? Uh, I was running the Signet of Ravenholt, uh, which is the one that does a little bit of AoE, um, and the Kill Jaden's Burning Wish, um... Which, you know, sends out, like, a big nuking kind of wave. And the Kill Jade's Burning Wish is very useful because it allows you to kind of, like, insta-clear up some of these ads. Okay. Um, I'd also recommend... Um, that is the only challenge that takes place on the Broken Isles. So you can actually use stuff that you can only use on the okay. Broken Isles on it. Uh, which is something that helped me beat it. Is I use the Falcosaur Omelet, omelet food. Um, which gives you a haste buff. Um, for like a minute when you kill stuff and you're killing a bunch of ads and whatever during that fight. And then I also used like an Argus bandage or whatever um, that just like does a slow procking, you know, every couple of seconds you heal for like 100k or something like that, uh, which isn't enough to like keep you up, you know, regardless of damage or whatever, um, but it was helpful. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's good to know. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'll, I'll have to try that at, at, at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get around to watching Perfect Blue? No, no, no. I, I didn't. Uh, so I don't have anything to say about uh, that. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, my side of things, uh, I played a bunch of uh, Warframe. I'm enjoying that game. Um, nice. Uh, I played some Battlefield 1 over the weekend, uh, which is not a thing I expected to do. Like I, I have, like, an. I bought, like, six months of EA Origin Access just because it looked like a neat deal. Um, and so I'm, I'm uh, on the tail end of that. Uh, so I installed uh, Battlefield 1. Played some of that. It's all right. Um, uh, what else did I play? Uh, uh, I played... Oh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Uh, the uh, the kind of retro Bloodstained game they put out in, in before uh, the, the real Bloodstained game. Um, that's neat. It's a very cool old school thing that's happening um and what else did, did i want to talk about um oh i wanted to recommend uh a youtube series called lateral um if you know who tom scott is he's a youtuber that does educational videos um and he has a game show on youtube 
Um, he's he's a British dude. Um, but it's 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 a it's a game show. There's two episodes out now, uh, where it's two teams of YouTubers and you bit they give them some lateral thinking questions. Um, it's like a twenty minute format and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. Um, this latest episode that came out today had a uh, two like train YouTubers versus two Minecraft YouTubers, um, which is kind of a, a train wreck. Uh, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Just because, like, the... the uh, let, let, let me see if, if, if you know this. Uh, uh, do you know... So, like, the the, the final... The, the way it works is you build up points for the first two rounds. The final round is a countdown timer. And whoever had more points gets more time on their timer. And it switches back and forth. Um, let's see if, if you get this. Which cartoon characters by Pierre Colaford are usually no more than three apples tall? Do you know what the answer to that question? I have no idea... Uh, what if I told you they were humanoid? Three apples tall? Yeah. Cartoon characters by who? Pierre, Pierre... Clifford. Pierre? I have no idea. They are famous is. for being Belgian and blue. Wait, so what and blue? Belgian. Belgian and blue. Okay, I, I guess you don't know this either. Maybe I'm just too good at pop. It's the Smurfs. Um... Oh, the Smurfs are Belgian? Yeah. You know that? Oh, wow. I did not know yeah. anything about that. Wow, fair yeah. enough. No, like, so this was the thing where, like, these these two Minecraft YouTubers, like, are just, like, can't get it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most obvious. It's one of those kind of moments where it's like, oh, no. How do you not understand what's happening? Um, uh, but, you know, you also learn some stuff. Like, I found out that the, uh, you know what the K and Philip K. Dick stands for? Uh, no, I have no idea. Uh, his middle name is Kindred. Um, really? Yeah, uh, it was. It was like what the question was like. What famous, uh, what famous, what, what famous author, uh, what famous author born in nineteen twenty eight has the famous middle name, or what famous author born in nineteen twenty eight has the middle name Kindred? Um, yeah. Uh, so huh. yeah, it's, 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 it's wait. So these are lateral thinking questions. They call it lateral thinking. It's. Maybe not like this. The last round is maybe less so. Um, like one of the one of the earlier questions that I think is a little bit more lateral thinking is it's like, um, it's three geographic coordinates, and it says, uh, uh what's missing from this? Um, and uh, they they managed to figure it out, which is better than I did. Is uh, uh, they were the coordinates of the Bermuda Triangle, so what was missing were boats and planes. Um. Oh, yeah. oh, clever. Yeah, because I like, I, I like, um, uh, I like lateral thinking questions. Yeah. Um, we used to, when I was in high school, we used, we had like a book of them or something like that. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't think, so. I, I don't think that they told, they always live up to the name, but it's a 20 minute format. And I think, I still think it's fun to watch. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, and then something else, um, that I want to recommend and then I also want to spin off into a, a mini discussion maybe we'll turn it into a real discussion at some point but um uh so I'm watching the super best friends play of uh Detroit become human um uh, I'm not playing it myself I have no real desire to um I have little trust in, in David Cage games um but um uh with I you know other friends of the show are also fans super best friends are also watching it and uh and for the show, Alexio brought up that this game seems pretty good, and he thinks that the Super Best Friends are coming into it with too much baggage. 
um, and are being too critical of it off the bat, which I think is fair in some regards. I think that there are things that are too on the nose. But then he said he said something that that kind of gets to the heart of some of these games for me is that uh, you know this is this isn't a movie, but this is pretty good for video games, and kind of my fundamental thing about this, this is also my problem with Gone Home is that I think we're too easy on like we 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 give too much leniency to to video game plots uh, essentially to be um, to be mediocre and give them a claim for it. And while I think that like you can do some of that for a game that is very kind of interactive and thus can't rely on, on, on the character so much and a super directed game. That's like mostly walking simulator. I think that there's no real excuse for that. Did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I have seen a lot of people shit on, um, shit on david cage um to be honest with you i've never played a david cage game but i think that he falls prey to the same sorts of thing the, the same sorts of thinking that um kind of fall prey to you know i mean this is also kind of like the bvs sort of thing uh like for instance i saw a guy like a like a video game guy that i follow on twitter um who was basically talking about how failure scales with ambition right and if you try really hard and fail that's worse than not trying really hard. And, he, and he's specifically justifying why Batman vs. Superman is worse than something like Fantastic Four, right? Um, or something like, you know, I don't know, like, there's other famously bad video game, or like, or like the Nick Cage Ghost Rider or something like that. Um, and I think that is intensely wrongheaded. I think that that is a really awful ideology because it, it makes people make forgettable things. You know what I mean? It punishes people for trying. And I think that that's really like wrong from kind of like an art critic standpoint. I don't think you ever want to punish someone for, well, for giving it their all and trying really sort of trying really hard. Uh, that said, you know, I think that David Cage, the, the kind of worst take I've seen out of this is kind of David Cage white splaining racism to people poorly. Um, I felt that way about Ken Levine, who is a, a game developer. I, I legitimately respect uh, David Cage is not, <laughs> uh, which when, when he did Bioshock Infinite, so you know, um, I don't know, I don't know, it's tough. Yeah, I I, I, w I was talking a little bit more to the to the kind of like general thought um, uh, of like what we can expect out of video game running, but I I, I see your point, but I, I would challenge you on that and say that just because it has bad consequences doesn't necessarily make it true. Um, like I, I undoubtedly agree with you that if, that if it's worse, if you fail at something ambitious, um, that it's, that, that it's, that it's a bad incentive, but I think that it's ultimately a, a, a thing like as a descriptive proclamation, I think that that's true. I think that people are, 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 uh, less forgiving of, of, of failed grandi grandiosity than they are of, um, uh, of like failed mediocrity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I do think that that's true, but I also think that that's people with kind of, um, I, I think that's people not being kind of critical about how they think about, uh, they're not being self-critical about the way that they view this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that if I, I think if I were to sit down with any of these kinds of people, um, like if somebody who sat down and was like, yep, if you try something ambitious and you fail at it, that is way worse kind of thing uh, than like, you know, a ghost in the shell where nobody tries at all sort of thing. Um, I feel like I could convince that person. I, I don't think that there's a really like logical argument other than backfilling the way that I feel about it. part of this is I think people fill, you know, um, 
part of this is, is I think people tie in quality and opinion too much. People like to think that they are, you know, that they are connoisseurs of good art and therefore when it is good, they like it. When it is bad, they do not like it. Uh, but I think that those two things are entirely decoupled, right? Like, I, I don't begrudge somebody who doesn't like Batman for Superman, right? Um, like, if you are the kind of person that thinks that that is the wrong direction for Superman or Batman to take, right, that's fine. That is your that is your preference in the same way it's my preference for Star Wars to, you know, uh, it, it, it's my preference for Han Solo to be, I, I don't know, something, something there's, whatever, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know that there's a real good argument to be made there where you punish, where you punish people for being, uh, ambitious well, I mean, in in their projects I, I, in the, in that sort of way. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I, I think you're taking the the wrong view of this. I think you're trying to proscribe something which is ultimately described. Um, I think that uh, I I think I think I think the the kind of nuance here is that I think that in terms of like if you think of it as kind of like a, a range, right? Like I think a like, I don't think that ambitious things are necessarily, like, that fail are necessarily worse, but I think they have more capacity for failure than something mediocre, right? Like, I think BVS was ambitious, but ultimately mediocre, and so no worse than a failed mediocre film. Um, I think that, I do think that there is a world in where, where BVS is ambitious, but fails so spectacularly that it kind of dips out the other end. And, and I think that sometimes that's where you get like these cult, like, like that's kind of some of the area where we're like, like cult classics live. Um, mm. But I also think that there's some truly terrible movies in, in, or truly terrible pieces of media um, in that space as well. Um, and I think that's just kind of a risk of doing something ambitious is that you could fail harder than someone who, who plays it safe. Um, and, 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 yeah, and this is what I, See, this is what I disagree. This is what I don't like about Bioshock Infinite. Is I feel like Bioshock Infinite is where somebody chose to play it safe. Like, like this is why I'm critical. I mean, of Bioshock Infinite. It is somebody who kind of says they're ambitious, but ultimately tries to play it safe. He doesn't have anything real to say about kind of like racism, uh, you know, in America, right? And there are triple A. You know, like Mafia Three is the example I used in our Far Cry cast, right? Like Mafia Three is explicitly about racism right also racism from like a critical you know from a black protagonist critical point of view of critical like critical of race issues uh in america right um so i think it can be, you know i i am I, um, I i think it can be done and i feel as though uh like the failing of bioshock infinite is in shying away from it right it uses racism and it uses american exceptionalism um and all of that stuff as window dressing to tell a completely unrelated story about like time travel babies and shit um but uh yeah uh that's that th I, I i feel as though um a lot of the criticism i've been seeing about david cage's thing is that uh it is he tried and it's bad uh, and so I am theoretically, like, maybe I would be more, maybe I would be more, uh, kind of like with it and kind of contrarian to this, like, take of, you know, of, of, uh, beyond, you know, beyond Detroit, beyond human. What is it? No. <laughs> beyond human? What is it even called? I don't even know. Uh, it's, 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 so his previous game was beyond two souls. This one is Detroit become human. 
Um, oh right. <laughs> yeah, you you are yeah. not. I mean, you, I, I'm just not a. I'm just like not a, a David Cage person. So in the so first the place, super so. best friends who are like, uh, I want to say like noted David Cage haters have been making this 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 mistake continuously for the past month in the lead up to this game. Um. Uh. So you're 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 in good company. That series is funny. If any of you out there want to watch it, um. Uh, I also kind of I am I am not I have not kind of jumped ahead of of it. Um, uh, David Cage, at least from his older games, has a problem in kind of like outside of like like you know like we talked about how like you know Holdo and L three might have their problems outside of their politics. Um, David Cage's previous games have had plot problems that are not related to their kind of their political message, um, and uh, I kind of expect that to happen here we'll see if it does or not um but my my gut is that that might be what's happening here is people are confusing david cage not being particularly good at writing an ending to his stories um with him being bad at at like race messaging or something um yeah yeah i mean i i have specifically heard the kind of like uh the the white splaining thing um uh i mean but it's it's not about racism buddy it's about androids. If, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar, this is like a David Cage quote. Oh, uh, oh my God. Oh God. No, David Cage. Why do you do this to me? Uh, <coughs> uh, I don't know. David, oh my God. Uh, he's like a whole bundle of like things. Like, cause he, he had like, there was some like scandalous things where like, he had like, like Ellen page was, and William Defoe were in beyond two souls. Mm-hmm. And like, Maybe he created a nude model of Ellen Page, like that he kind of like inferenced off of like the stuff that he built from her, like like the motion capture, um, wow. and maybe that was like there's was, was a whole like and maybe Quantic Dream is a terrible place, uh, which is the name of the studio. Uh, so you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Th- think that's everything i had I, I wanted to talk about buddy do you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we close it out no i am good all right well if you'd like to talk to us about what you think of david cage or about solo a star wars story about any of the other things we talked about on this podcast you can reach us at subdurbsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdurbsplaygames.com you can follow us on twitch at twitch.tv slash subdurbsplaygames um you can follow us on itunes wherever good podcasts are wherever bad co- podcasts are I'll leave us a review, leave us a comment. We love to read it all. Um, I think that's about it. Buddy, did you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I am looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.